Hey guys, welcome back. James here, and today I'm bringing you guys another podcast with the Jets and the Mets. Let's get right into it. Let's get into this Jets-Giants game. The Jets won a game. The two inept teams of New York faced off this past Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and the Jets ended up winning the toilet bowl between the two teams. Uh, Gase, Adam Gase, saved his job with this one. Uh, you know, as you guys know, the planes flying across New York City on uh, Friday afternoon that said, that had a banner across it saying, fire Adam Gase now, exclamation points. Uh, you know, the Jets fans not been happy with Adam Gase and his performance in the Jets overall, you know, two and seven, debacle, terrible, awful season. Uh, so they decided to have a fundraiser. Somebody, Jets fans set up a fundraiser and you know, managed to fly a plane across uh, around New York City. Said to fire Adam Gaze to get the attention of the owner that we really, as fans, want this guy out of here. And as I was saying on the podcast last week, quarterback's regressing, and if he continues to regress, the Gase has to go. So, Gase saved his job for the year with this one. Uh, even though he lost to Miami, if he lost to the, to the Giants game yesterday to the Giants, I really think that uh, Christopher Johnson could have brought the axe down on him this morning and fired him. Uh, but... Good for him. Saved his job, at least for, uh, you know, I think I think for the rest of the six games, Gay should be safe. At least let's see what he can do against these teams that are coming up on the schedule that are not particularly uh, strong teams. We've got the Redskins next week, then the Raiders. They're pretty good. Then we've got the Dolphins, Bengals, um, Ravens. Steelers and Bills, something like that. Uh, I feel like I added another team in there. Um, but, you know, the, the schedule is softening up, but I feel like all these teams, they do look at the Jets the same way that me as a Jet fan might go and look, or the Jets players might go and look at, this, say, the 1-8 and eight Washington Redskins. They might say, we're playing the Jets. We've got a shot here, and you know what? I don't blame him because the Jets been got off of this year, so uh, terrible. Um, so, yeah, well, Jamal Adams played absolutely sensational yesterday. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, fumble recovery, touchdown, and, and led the team with nine tackles. Jets defense got to Daniel Jones yesterday. Uh, I think we got like six sacks on the day, just getting into the backfield, you know, the entire game, just Really, really great to see uh, Bless Austin's debut at cornerback after coming. Um, he was like a sixth-round pick of the Jets this past year. He had a lot of injuries. Uh, so his first game since college, coming back, and uh, he played all right. He had a dropped uh, interception. He should have caught it, but it was his first NFL game. So let it slide, and, you know, looking forward to see him progress as the season goes on uh one problem i have with this uh this entire game is when the within 40 seconds 
first of all, Dow Loggins, the offensive coordinator, who I thought they had up in like the press box, uh, I didn't even know he was on the field. This guy's on the field, and he's, like, talking to the refs. He's, he's ready to throw these challenge flags. He throws two – he loses two challenges in the span of 40 seconds uh, of game time. And I'm, just, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, shouldn't Adam Gaze have the challenge flags and be throwing them on the field? Like, that's – I feel like that hasn't been talked about enough uh, <laughs> after this game about the um, – Dow Loggins, I don't know why he has the the challenge flags in that situation. I think Adam Gaze should be the, the one throwing out the flags for challenges. And he lost both of the challenges. It's not like he threw both the challenges and won. Not even one of them. He just threw the both of the challenge flags and lost the Jets two timeouts. Uh, good thing we didn't need him. So, where the Giants really messed up with this game, I feel like Pat Shermer, uh, you know Daniel Jones. He he played he played well in this game. Aside from the uh, Jamal Adams uh, strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown, he just took Daniel Jones' lunch money, took the ball right out of his hands, and it went right into the end zone. Um, other than that, Daniel Jones, he you know threw four touchdowns and he played pretty well in the game. He had, like, 125 uh, quarterback rating. I feel like where Pat Shermer messed up the most in this game was, like, there was, like, four minutes left, and the Jets had the ball, and Pat Shermer's he's using all of his timeouts to get the Jets off, off the field and get the ball back. So, you know, the Jets, he gets the Jets off the field, okay, three waste three timeouts, and the Giants get the ball back. Now, the Giants... They go three and out, and they punt the ball. Now, if you, you waste all your timeouts with four minutes left, you can't, and you get the ball back, I don't care if it's fourth and long, you have a better chance of getting a pass interference or a delay of game or, or some sort of penalty or com- completing the making the fourth down completion, and you have a chance of punting the ball back to the Jets uh, having and then having them um, go three and out, give you the ball back with like at most thirty seconds to uh, just go down the field and score a touchdown. So that's really where I feel like Pat Shermer screwed the game up for the Giants is that he wasted those timeouts uh, and he should have instead of using those timeouts should have wait, waited and tried to use them for later in the game when. They could have used them to stop the clock to go down the field and score a touchdown to win the game or to get the game uh, tied towards the end. So, yeah, uh, big win for the Jets, big win for Adam Gaze. Uh, he needed this one. Darnold, I feel like he played, he played pretty – played okay in this game. Uh, you know, no, you know, no interceptions. His team came out on top of the W, so that's always – positive that's that's the goal I think he's got to slow down a little bit after the game with saying you know we're going to go on a run here and uh, make the playoffs playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs I just hope we can win a game if we win out I feel like it's a little bit resemblance of the last about 40 days of the Mets 
uh, season this past year. We got to win every game. Uh, you know, Sam. My advice would be to let's have out. Let's put two wins in a row first before we start talking about winning out and making a run at the playoffs. Uh, you know, I if the Jets can play how I expected them to play coming into the season. These teams that they have coming up, you know, they have a decent chance of winning against them with teams like the Redskins. I know we got to play the Redskins next week. And then we got to go play the Raiders, the Bengals, and we got the Dolphins. Ravens, Steelers, and Bills. So, you know, the Redskins, they're like, they're one and eight. They probably look at the Jets as this, you know, this is a game, hey, this is a game we can win here. The Jets, you know, they're awful, and they have been pretty awful. But the Jets want to make a run here. You got to beat teams like the Redskins, put up a fight against the Raiders. But, you know, if the Jets go out next week and they, they go and they lay an egg against the the Redskins like they did against the Dolphins in the Dolphins game, that game was way more of a blowout than the than the, uh, the eight points, uh, the final score of the eight points differential uh, tells you. The, the Jets really did not perform well in that game against the Dolphins. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they went on here and laid an egg against the Redskins because that would be a typical Jets. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully we can put two in a row. That would be nice. Got to win against the uh, dreadful Redskins and maybe put a little bit of life back in this season going up against the Raiders next week. If we can beat uh, after the, not next week, after the Redskins week. If we can beat the Raiders. And we got the Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers, Bills. Still not looking good, but uh, slim. Chance, I yeah, Donald, just just go out, beat the Redskins at least. Just put put two in a row together. If you put two in a row together, then you go out. You got to go out and beat the the Raiders. If they win these, the Redskins, they beat the Redskins. Do not go out against the Raiders, and uh, and lay an egg like they did. Uh, you know they got all the Jets fans excited about the. The Patriots game because they went out and beat the beat the Cowboys and you know if the Cowboys went out and beat the Jets that game, nobody would have been looking forward to the Patriots game. Most of the Jets fans were going to that Patriots game as if it was like a big playoff game and the Jets they got completely embarrassed. Is a four interception nightmare for Sam Darnold and the Jets that night. So hopefully they don't go and beat the Redskins and then get demolished by the Raiders or in anything of that sort. So. On to the Mets. The awards for the 2019 season are this week, tonight, with the Rookie of the Year announcement. Pete Alonso is in position to win this one with the landslide. Rookie of the Year, National League Rookie of the Year. The other finalists are Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves and... Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. Tatis probably would have given Alonso a bit more of a run for his money if he did not get hurt in August, but unfortunately he did. Alonso finished the year with a league-leading 
53 homers, set the rookie home run record with 53. He had knocked in 120 RBIs, 103 runs scored, and a 260 batting average. Uh, you know, a great year by him, and really makes the Mets be able to go out this offseason and have somebody like Dom Smith, who's back up to Pete Alonso be very expendable and we can trade him and get a significant piece back if the Red Sox are looking to trade Mookie Betts. I think the Mets should be all in on that, uh, even though it is the Mets and I highly doubt that they will because they don't might spend money or if they do spend money, they don't really allocate it in the right uh, right spots. You know, Cespedes, Robinson Cano. Not saying I don't want them to sign Cespedes when they did, but the contract is not looking great. Uh, now we're three years into it. Uh, Mets are getting some insurance money back on it, so hopefully, maybe, they'll take some of that uh, insurance money and say that, hey, just because contracts comes off the books next season, we're not going to be paying that too many players. Maybe we can add a guy like Mookie Betts for $30 million a year because, you know, once this year's passed, and they're not going to be paying Cespedes $27 million this year anyways because he's not going to be playing the entire season if he plays at all. So should have money to spend. Uh, whether they do that is to be determined. The idea of uh, the Mets going into the season, and I've heard this, and this is not what you want to hear. The idea of the Mets going into the season with Edwin freaking Diaz as the closer is an absolute joke. Uh you know they that's that's unacceptable. They cannot sell the fan. They cannot go into this season selling the fan base on Edwin Diaz and Jerry's familia as the closer. And then like, what are they gonna do? They're gonna take um they're gonna let Wheeler walk because they don't want to pay him him uh, enough money. And you know what? I actually if I were the Mets, I'd probably pay Zach Wheeler and trade Noah Syndergaard uh, and get a haul if I could. That's just me. Uh, you know the Mets. They can't. They cannot sell the fan base on that. Now they're gonna put take. Uh, yeah, what I was gonna say is they're gonna take Seth Lugo out of the bullpen possibly and put him in the rotation to replace Wheeler. And what are they gonna do that and say, yeah, we're relying on Jerry Familia and Edwin Diaz to have bounce back years like. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I think the Mets they got to go out and they got to spend money on some decent relievers, uh, not just one or two. They got to get like three or four to uh, really uh, remake the bullpen or maybe trade for one. I don't know when many available trade pieces at the moment, but trade would help uh, if they could get a good reliever back in a trade. Um, I think that would be helpful. I don't think Edwin Diaz is fixable. Carlos Beltran, it's nice for him to say that he can, you know, just come in and he's gonna, he'll be fixed. It's great. Love to see it. But, uh, you know, Sonny Gray is a guy that he was pitcher for the Yankees and he was absolutely terrible. He, uh, he was originally a pitcher for the Athletics and he was very good. The Yankees trade for him and he was dreadful with the Yankees. And then they traded him to the Cincinnati Reds and he was like, uh, he was great again. Uh, so, you know, not everybody can pitch in New York and handle the pressures of New York, and I think that might be the case with Edwin Diaz. And if it is, which it really looked like it was the last season, uh, he's not cut out to be closing major playoff games 
and major uh, regular season games with, you know, the season on the line. He, he completely just him and Mickey Callaway single-handedly destroyed the, the 2019 season uh, for, the, for the Mets. Edwin Diaz and the rest of the bullpen, terrible, aside from Justin Wilson and Seth Lugo. They were awful. And it needs to be fixed. We'll talk about that more in future episodes as we get deeper into the offseason and the hot stove begins to heat up. Hopefully it will not take uh, three months for all these players to sign. Some of, these, some of them didn't sign until um, March and late February last season. It was, it was a bit, bit ridiculous with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. So, hope you guys enjoyed. Follow for more. James, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.